Hey, Nicole. Hi, John. Ready? Let's do this. All right. I'm Nicole Mears. I'm John Davis. And this is our podcast, Shape the Conversation. We work here with a great team at Shape.io in beautiful Bend, Oregon. So we left our agency jobs as marketers to build software for digital advertising teams. So we talk about growing shape, business, entrepreneurship, and marketing in general. Yep. And a lot of topics we'll kind of end on or take on are digital advertising related. And that's the case this week as well. This one's less fun to talk about as digital advertisers. I'd say we're talking about ad fraud. And in particular, this great in, uh, piece of journalism that came out from BuzzFeed News on a scheme that basically stole, you know, no other way to put it, millions of dollars from advertisers. I never thought BuzzFeed would be a major source of news, but they've broken a lot of stories lately. Definitely. Yeah, I think they, they're doing a lot of really commendable work and, and also generating a lot of listicles. Yes. I think uh, they, they are both. <laughs> All right. So back to the topic at hand, ad fraud. Much like pop-ups, ad fraud is one of the things that makes many, many businesses question digital advertising and digital marketing as a whole. Yeah. John, you know a little bit more about this topic and its kind of robustness than I do. So why don't you yeah. go ahead and explain it? I, I like to lean into even the deep, dark parts of the industry. I think you, if you look away or, or don't think about ad fraud, that that's a real threat to market, digital marketing in general, not addressing these things are scary as a digital marketer to think about. And some of the things we'll talk about in the story and some of the, the what, I mean, apathy, I think, you know, from Google and some of these ad networks to crack, crack down on, on some of this fraud in cases that they could have is disappointing, um, no doubt. But let's, let's, delve into the scheme a little bit here and talk about um, kind of the part of digital advertising that this affected and, and how they pulled this off. So the original thread or the original string that um, the journalist started pulling on, and I want to make sure I get his name, Craig Silverman, which, which is he's done a great follow-up pieces on this too. Definitely Google Craig Silverman, BuzzFeed. We'll put some links in the show notes. But the initial thread that he started pulling on was a developer came to him and, and basically said, hey, this really weird thing happened. I know you're a journalist. Maybe you should dig into it, whatever. And so I'm going to do my best to lay out the scheme here. So here's the scheme. You're an Android app developer. Um, you've got an app that's got maybe 1,000 or maybe even 10,000 or 20,000 daily active users. If you have that, a lot of the charts on Android are pretty transparent. You can see what apps are up at the top of the charts or at the bottom. And if you rise to uh, anywhere on the charts, people are going to probably reach out to you a lot of times to make offers to buy your app. So for app developers, it's a pretty common thing to get an offer of X amount to take your app off your hands. Then what they're going to do is try to make money off the advertising revenue going forward. What this 
with this scheme, the way it would start is they would go to app developers of kind of like middling apps, ones that they know where the developers probably not making a living off it, but they've been developing on it. It's pretty kept up well and the users are pretty happy and they would go make an offer to buy the app that would be way above what these other developers were getting from other people looking to potentially buy their app. They'd buy the app and this would give them access to all the analytics, all the user data, everything completely on the level. And then they'd start learning. How do people use this app? Where do they click? Are they pages they don't go to? How long do they spend on this page? How long do they spend on this other page? Do they make three comments a day in the app? Is it 10? What, what does an average user look like on this app? And they start to build a profile of what they do, how long they're in it. And they essentially generate a program that can mimic those actions of a person. And then they get a cheap Android device download Android, Google Play Store, download the app, and now they start running this program and it looks just like a human using the app as any other human. Now they've got 800 real users, let's say, still using the app, but then every other user, they're just going to plug in one of these bots, plug in the bot, plug in the program. And it's really tough to detect from a programmatic standard. What I was really interested in is this was much less hard to detect if you just did a little digging. Like this journalist dug into the LLCs, the addresses, credit card information, like publicly available addresses for these companies that anybody could have got to. A Google team, somebody there definitely could have dug into and find it. it from a pure technical standpoint, the fraud was very tough to, to detect. But by putting these pieces together, they could have figured out. So now that these app developers have all these people using the app, now they're pumping all this bot traffic into it. All the ads they're running, they're getting paid on the impressions of those ads. Now their ad impressions are 10x, 20x, 30x. And Google's happy because they're like, wow, look at all these new people using this app. People must really love this app. They don't put up any red flags. Advertisers you know, don't put up any red flags because the activity kind of looks similar to what a user would do. And a lot of these buys on the app networks are really cost per impression base, not cost per click base activity. And the exact amount of what these advertisers have gotten away with is still very much in dispute. But I think it's pretty safe to say tens of millions of dollars a year for yeah. the last few years. So yeah, Silverman actually quotes that Google acknowledged they stole about 10 million. But it, you, if you continue to read further in the article, it's all over the place. Like some people like OAuth will only admit it to about $30,000 was scammed from their customers. And there's some pretty big companies listed on this list. I mean, you've got obviously Google Yelp's on there, although they declined to comment about, you know, any fraudulent activity. There's some other ones that you might have heard of. Let me grab the list. AppNexus. Next our media group. So there's there's some big ones on here. And it's, you know, $10 million is not a small sum. Yeah. So some interesting parts of it. A lot of what they'd like to target were sort of apps that were targeted at kids. So kids <laughs> were like a lot of these can like candy crush knockoffs or whatever. The kids were getting shown ads for or you know, or or bots mimicking kids' activity for, you know, products that they would never buy or have any interest in. 
And the funny thing is, is I mean, there's already a big enough problem with like babies clicking on ads unintentionally. <laughs> like that's that's a full legitimate audience of babies accidentally clicking ads on apps. But this <laughs> is mimicking that same activity. I don't know if you have any yeah, devices no. where your kids are clicking. I actually am pretty worried about that as a as a parent. So I do buy the little like two three dollar ad free one, be, because I I am very skeptical of the app ad networks at this point. I'm sure there's a lot of examples of it being done well, but for me, I I think there's a lot of things to look out for. So thinking about this scheme, you know, how does it make you feel? Like if, for me, it's kind of like shining the light a little bit on, on some of these darker corners that probably a lot of people knew was going on. So. As a digital marketer, as a digital advertiser, you you know ad fraud is going on and you really hope it's not affecting your clients if you're managing someone or, or yours. This definitely brings it to light. It's frustrating. We all know it's going on. Like I said, we just hope it's not impacting us as much. I tend to think about it now because I'm not doing that much direct PPC advertising or consulting anymore. But I start to think about, okay, you're an advertiser advertising on one of these apps right, you're getting all this fake traffic. In some sense, some people are competing for that space. So how much is that raising costs too, that you're having bots make these apps look even more impressive or more, you know, used than they are. And then you start seeing this escalating cost war. Overall, we've continued to see, you know, increasing amounts of budgets devoted to digital advertising. And you've got to wonder how much of that is is fraudulent and it's really frustrating and you know this display piece is one piece there's also ad fraud for example with your competitors clicking on your ads but it's really scary that this is programmatically happening like if you're at least dealing with a competitor who's clicking around google has some controls over that and i would say that's slivers of percentage compared to some of these numbers absolutely you know and overall when things come like this come out too it also it's frustrating because as a digital advertiser, I know I do a great job, right, running those ads for my clients, but this is the general audience who's going to see this, BuzzFeed, you know, shown to a lot of people, they're going to start yeah. questioning the validity, they're going to start questioning the investment, all of that, and that be, makes our jobs harder as well as digital advertisers. So those are my kind of two feelings, strongest feelings. Yeah, definitely. I, I fell in love with digital marketing through the lens of Google AdWords and Google Search. And to me, why I fell in love with it and the magic to me was that it was intent-based marketing. People were going to Google. They were looking for an answer. You had the, you have the opportunity to advertise that answer. And it was a situation where I believe advertisers all win. For me, display marketing, it's a lot harder to see those clear lines of, of all parties winning, <laughs> especially when I go on local newspaper sites. I'm very disappointed by the type, type of display advertising that they've been, I don't know, forced to do or uh, you know, apathetic enough to enact um, on their websites, outbrain, any of these un, you know, d- display type advertisers, because for me, I, I didn't go to these websites to click an ad. And that, and that's where the intent is lost. For me, social media advertising is a, is a very different beast than advertising on search and Google because of that reason. I didn't necessarily go on Facebook today to buy the, that pair of shoes. Maybe I did end up buying those pair of shoes and I wouldn't have if I hadn't gone on Facebook at that moment, but I didn't go on a Facebook with that intent. 
Whereas when I go to Google, I often have an intent. And advertising in that environment is something that, for me, is there's still fraud, but there's a lot of natural protectors against that. Now you go to the display network, banner advertising, in-app advertising. The Android app market is pretty much a free economy driven on advertising. I get a lot more nervous <laughs> if I hear people advertising in those realms and through the display network. So let's talk about if you're a digital marketer some things to think about limiting and ways to make sure you're you're not exposing your customers ads to these and and some questions you can ask generally of your advertisers or think about okay if i do have some of my marketing budget being spent on the display network digital marketing agency why you know what what are the very clear goals here what is the percentage how much is going to towards it because i think this is a weird case where digital advertising and digital marketing is almost a victim of how effective it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds a little crazy in the in when we're talking about ad fraud and bad clicks, but I think it shows that you can still have a lot of waste, a lot of bad clicks, a lot of bot clicks, and yet still these advertisers are tracking performance on their site in a lot of cases. They're still seeing enough good performance to validate those budgets. Now, I think if under more scrutiny, do they hold up? Not sure. Yeah. But I think we think it's very important to be vetting those display network placements, app placements very carefully. Yeah. So anywhere that you're seeing display placements and display, I mean, you typically think of, you know, very specifically on the Google networks called display, but where you are having banner or text ads placed on a website on your behalf. And there are as we mentioned on that list, there's about 36 that they specifically mentioned as being targeted by this fraud. But anywhere you're programmatically putting your ads that are not the standard search ads, here's some tips, right? You absolutely want to, if it's a self-service network, look for, do they give you the option to see where your ads are being placed? Can you remove them? So can you negative them out or blacklist them essentially if you're being managed on your behalf what is the company doing to validate the quality of those placements are they continually pruning on your behalf if they don't have that potential is it only a you know a placement like do they specifically select which websites can you're really going to be wanting to check with them on the quality and how kind of that's that's constantly evolving and how they're con you know not guarantee they can't guarantee you quality traffic but how they're continuously trying to drive you know the highest quality traffic via those placements the other thing you're going to want to ask specifically of these is what proactive fraud filters do they have in place so when you think about search and again this is a slightly separate example when i mentioned competitors clicking on your ads previously google very specifically has this filter this product filter where they look at the ip and if there's you know 30 clicks or even five clicks within a certain amount of time from a certain ip they will mark that as fraudulent and they will give you a credit back so you know what proactive things do they have in place now very specifically for google because i think this is where the majority of our listeners are potentially driving that display traffic because it's a really great pretty fairly well it used to be really intuitive but a pretty easy to use platform to place display traffic there's one very specific thing that you can do to remove app traffic so if you're seeing a lot of not great not engaged traffic from apps very specifically i'm going to give you some tips to get rid of that so it used to be really easy you would basically add adsenseformobileapps.com 
to your negative display targeting in Google. It was simple. You popped it in there, and it shut down your ad from displaying yeah, all so apps. So negative display targeting being, okay, Google, at first I gave you permission to put my ad on any website you come across or any app you come across. Now I'm saying negative these ones out. Don't show me on this website or that website or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a, a brand for a young, hip consumer. Don't show me on AARP.com or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was very specifically used for apps and specifically. You can also see in placement reports in Google, and they'll, as John mentioned, they'll let you specifically select, no, these ones I don't want to show on. Now, like all good things, Google took that away. <laughs> okay, not all good things, but some of the the best things Google likes to transition. So Tweak. Tweak, yes. <laughs> so there are two ways that you can now update this setting to not show in apps. And I'm going to give both because I don't know how long the first one is actually going to remain in place. So if you use AdWords and you have a display campaign, you go click on that campaign, you go to your settings tab, and then you click additional settings. And in there, down at the bottom, it says devices. You can show on all devices or you can set specific targeting for devices. You're going to click on the second one and you're going to see some options. It'll say Computers, mobile app, mobile app, interstitial, tablet app, tablet app, interstitial, and a number of other ones. Click off of the app ones and then hit save. So that is the one I don't know how long is going to stick around. There's some debate when this all came out, when the the change happened a couple months ago, there was a lot of debate about how to do it right, how to, you know, what's the best way, what's going to stick around. So option number one, do that. Option number two, explained in a very great article by Kirk Williams at Zato Marketing. Hi, Kirk. Uh, <laughs> Shape is, customer. Is uh, pretty easy. If you have Google AdWords editor, excuse me, Google Ads editor, now you're going to open up your account. You are going to select your Google Display campaigns. And then you're going to, down in the left-hand navigation, select mobile app categories. And then you're going to add negative mobile app categories. You select all apps, you click OK, you post, and you're done. I know that I went through that really quickly, so like I said, we'll post his article. But either way, you can apply it pretty quickly at bulk using either one. I would suggest AdWords Editor if you have to do more than one or two campaigns because that first option, you're going to have to click campaign by campaign and do that, and it's really annoying. So there you go. If you don't want to show an apps, option one, option two. Yeah, and I think it's hard for me to imagine too many use cases where you'd really want to be running full bore pretty heavy on the app network. Honestly, I don't believe that the traffic and and the quality warrants it. I think it's, I mean, if you really do, it's worth the experiment. You can detarget apps, so you could also target apps. So maybe test a couple different campaigns where you're only running on apps and you're or only mobile apps, only tablet apps. But I agree with you. I, in large cases, I don't think you're going to find very quality traffic or conversions coming from apps. Yeah, unless you can start to tip the needle back towards like intent, more intent-based marketing. Like, okay, the display network isn't a perfect intent-based framework because, you know, going on a website or going on an app, you're not saying, I want to see this ad necessarily or I want to go buy this thing. But if you are on an Android app and you're a real person, not a bot, you are at least indicating that you use these apps and like these apps. So maybe if you may have an Android app, 
you know, advertising on other apps is a good idea. Hey, I know this is, you know, my competitor's app. Maybe that's a good way to get it on there. And there's at least some ways you could think about strategically using the apps, but I think it's a pretty niche scenario. I think it's pretty safe to say I'd be very comfortable with you finding any other way to find some keywords on Google or other ways to spend those ad dollars other than enabling the app network. I absolutely agree. And I think that's a great place to end. All right. Again, Craig Silverman is the journalist's name. We'll include the links to the BuzzFeed articles. He's been doing an incredible job. I think like his articles on LinkedIn if you see them and encourage this type of journalism and people digging into the digital marketing world. Because although this is a black eye on the industry, I think it will lead to some change and hopefully companies that offer these app networks thinking harder about how they can improve the experience for their users being exposed to the advertising. Fix your stuff networks. We're coming for you. I know. You got you got a lot of money. You don't got to get greedy here on these little margins. We can do a better job. Like Let's create the advertising future we want for our kids, not playing some candy crush knockoff that is, you know, supported by some bunk ads for other Android apps. Let's do better. All right, let us know. Is there anything from this episode you're going to use in your campaigns? Find show notes with links to our emails, social networks, and more at blog.shape.io slash podcast. And thanks. We, we, we don't always thank him at the end, but we should do a better job. Maxwell Bettendorf here, our producer and Shape comrade for producing. Thanks, Max. He's the one responsible for getting all the editing, removing the ums, and a lot of the, kind of the, the, the rough edges for us. Making us sound pretty. Yep. All right. So with that, until next week. Over and out. Over and out.